our perception is everything. And if you learn how to accept those things and see them for positive experiences or lessons or your curriculum in this life to like work through and to grow from and to experience different forms of love and just learning different understandings of yourself and the world around you, then it's always a positive thing, you know, in some way or shape or form. And part of my practice is to try to keep my perception in that direction. Welcome to A Way of Thinking. I'm your host, Jessica Wong. This podcast is dedicated to lighting the way towards greater inner peace and purpose. My own journey has taken me from a decade-long corporate finance career to following my own path as a purpose coach. I help people move from an unfulfilling career to a meaningful and purpose-driven career in life. Now let's dive into today's show. Hello and welcome to this episode of A Way of Thinking. I'm your host, Jessica Huang, and in this episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing fellow Dharma yogi and owner of Carlsbad, California yoga studio, Yoga On State, Rob Mendez. Rob and I talk about his journey from delivering babies during his time in the Navy to owning his own yoga studio. We talk about how yoga helped ease his health anxieties and the unconventional journey that led him to starting Yoga On State. He shares how it's been building up his studio without having a business background, and he talks about trusting in divine guidance and imagining that the best is happening all the time. So keep listening to hear my conversation with Rob Mendez. And before we get started, here are a few quick announcements. So first off, if you've been enjoying listening to A Way of Thinking, I invite you to donate to the podcast at my website, jessicahuangcoaching.com slash donate. I so appreciate every single one of you for tuning in to these episodes. And next, if you are someone that is looking to make a change from a corporate job into that career, that creative career that you've always dreamed of, then I invite you to schedule a free strategy session with me at my website, jessicahuangcoaching.com. Links are, of course, in the show notes as well, and I hope to connect with you soon. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Rob Mendez. Our guest today is Rob Mendez. Rob served in the U.S. Navy for five years as a surgical technologist hospital corpsman working in the OR on various surgical teams. He is the owner of Yoga on State, a multidisciplinary yoga center located in Carlsbad, California. He is a teacher of Dharma Yoga, Yoga Nidra, breathwork, and meditation. He is originally from New Jersey and is currently based in San Diego County, California. So welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you, Jessica. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Just by way of introduction, Rob and I met when we were doing our 800-hour teacher training together back in March. And we had talked about doing this podcast together. I, I think Rob is super inspiring, and I am so excited to have finally have him on the show and be able to do it in person today. So it's been a real pleasure. We were both graduating at the Dharma Yoga Center this past weekend. And so it gave us the perfect opportunity to come together in person and do this episode. So I'm super excited for us to do this. If you would, Rob, if you would lead us in an invocation. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. So let's start with an ohm. Sit up tall and close the eyes. And just ground down for a few moments. You can have your awareness with your breath or let your awareness just run freely if it needs to go somewhere else. Just let it be and just watch for a few moments. Now let's... The attention come to the space between the brows. Imagine a golden ohm. Imagine that it's radiating light in every direction. 
Let's chant the pranava. Inhale. Vakratunda Mahakaya Surya Koti Sama Prabha Nirvignam Kurume Deva Sarvakareshu Sarvara Sarisvati Namastubhyam Varadekamarupini Vidya Rabham Kareshami Siddhir Bhavatu Mesaram Lord Ganesha, guide us and protect us. May you remove all obstacles from our path to knowledge. May Saraswati Ma bless us with the fruits of knowledge and bless us with the fruits of understanding, of intuition, of inspiration. May we all find peace. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so Rob, I would love to start with the question I've been starting lately, all of the podcast episodes, which is, what does purpose mean to you? I think purpose is something that is beyond what our ego demands. You know, it's something that typically is greater than us and our individual needs. And a purpose is something that is this like drive that that kind of informs you what to make decisions on right? and what to and how to act and what to act towards. There's this a calling or this deep intuition or knowing or a guide that is pushing you towards this, whatever it is. And I think when we find our purpose, it's being tuned to that or receptive to it or listening to whatever that voice is or yeah whatever that guide is yeah I love that it's interesting because what you speak of is like this idea of like pulling us towards something right with our purpose so along those lines then I'm curious so you know your your path has obviously kind of like moved and shifted Mm -hmm. in a lot of different directions I mentioned how you you were in the navy you're working in ORs at one point and then going into now owning your studio and everything. But if we can start kind of going back to like when you had joined the Navy and all that, like how did that fit into your purpose? Hmm. When I was younger, I always wanted to help people. I had dreams of being a doctor, was not mature enough when I was in high school, towards the end of high school. And transitioning to like college years and was kind of lost in certain ways and I weirdly didn't plan on joining the military it wasn't something that was necessarily in the front of my psyche but I knew that I wanted to do something in the medical field so Mm -hmm. uh, my plan was always to like study biology for pre-med to go down that path but I didn't feel like I was ready for that in any type of way or mature enough. And I did one year of like community college and I knew right then and there that I wasn't ready. Uh, So I took a little time off and was working at restaurants and and bars. And I kept having dreams about the Navy randomly and Mm. just like kept popping up. And it was very clear that if I was to join the military, it was to go into the medical field so I can have firsthand medical experience before I decided to go down that path. And most of my friends were always older and I saw a lot of them get degrees that they hated and were kind of stuck in this pattern of getting in a lot of debt from school and having to work to pay that debt off and being trapped in either jobs that they didn't really care for, sometimes jobs completely outside of their major just so that they can pay the bills and Mm -hmm. I didn't really want to get trapped in that experience and felt that this was another option that could give me that firsthand medical experience plus free school afterwards. So 
after having some dreams about it for a little bit, I finally talked to my mom about it. And I'll never forget this conversation. We went out to dinner with her and my sister and she, I told her that I was thinking about it and she kind of just like looked at me and smiled and was like, oh, I know. And I was like, what do you mean you know? <laughs> and she's like, oh, you know, I actually talked to a, a medium, she called it, or like a psychic. And they told her three things about me, which is pretty crazy. And uh, one thing was that the relationship I was in at the time wasn't the right one, that I was going to break up with that partner, <laughs> which happened. I broke up with her very shortly after that. The second one was that she saw that my back was turned towards her. And it wasn't that like there was anything wrong with our relationship, but it meant that I was going to go somewhere far. And I was mm -hmm. either going to join the Peace Corps or the military or something along those lines and like move at a great distance. Uh, which also ended up happening because I moved across the country from her. And the third one, which is also crazy, is that I was going to own my own business by 30. And I opened up Yoga on State when I was 30. And wow. I was like, so she checked <laughs> all the things. But when my mom responded like that, it was, um, I've always had this kind of mystical relationship with her and my grandma. And there's a lot of trust in some of the things that they tell me and their experiences. There's been some stuff that has happened at a young age that kind of broke my perception of reality, I guess you could say in some ways that some people will get through like hallucinogens, like things that it didn't make sense. So I always mm -hmm. had this like kind of trust in what they said or trust in another power, right? And because I was having the dreams about it and I got that confirmation from her, I was like, oh, Yes, like clearly this is what I'm supposed to do. And I always had this weird connection with the number 33, which is kind of funny too. It's like a little guide number. And I remember even when I went to take the test for the military, I sat at the 33rd computer and it was just like big 33 on the computer. I was like, okay, another sign. Like this is it. <laughs> uh, so I ended up joining and they gave me the job that I originally wanted was hospital corpsman. So I can be like a medic and depending on how you do in that program, you can do some other schooling. And they gave me a surgical tech school, so I ended up doing that. And then, uh, yeah, serving as a surgical tech for those five years and got stationed at Naval Hospital Camp Pendleton, which is what originally brought me to California. And then it just became home. I fell in love with the, yeah. the place, the culture, and the, and the people. Amazing. So just to clarify, your mom knew the Navy specifically? Because that wasn't in the three. No, it was just the just military. The... Yeah, it was either that I was going to join the military or the Peace Corps, some type of organization that was going to like bring me away from her. So oh. as soon as I said I was thinking about joining the Navy, it was just like clear to her that that's what that meant. And she's like, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I that like, is so what? interesting. <laughs> like, okay, <mom>. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So... And then the other thing that I was curious about is, so when you were looking at the Navy, you already knew that it was like going to be this kind of medical element to it. I don't know anything about joining yeah. the Navy. So if you could shed some light on of that. Of course. Yeah. So normally you take a test, which is like the ASVAB test. And depending on how you score on the test, they give you different offers of jobs that they think are best suited for your conditions, I guess you can say. Right. Mm. And they only offered me one job. And before I went in, it, that was the job that I wanted was to be in the medical field. And so as a medic or whatever, because there's so many different jobs that corpsmans can do essentially right. in that umbrella of being a corpsman. So you can be a lab tech, a psych tech, a surgical tech. You can do field med tech, like trauma, like emergency stuff, recon stuff. So there's different options. And I didn't know I was going to be a surgical tech. That wasn't something that I planned. I just knew it was going to be in the medical field because that was my whole purpose and goal was I still wanted to serve people and help people in a way of healthcare related, you know, in a healthcare related field. I just wasn't sure on what the details looked like. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was the only contract they offered me. And I was like, yeah, this is, this that, is, this it. is it. <laughs> yeah. This is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> that's so interesting. Okay. So can you talk a little bit about what that was like in, in at being a surgical tech? Because I know you talk, you told me that yeah. you delivered babies, which I find absolutely fascinating. Um, but can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like and what kind of work you were doing there? Yeah. So essentially for four years at Naval Hospital Camp Pendleton specifically, you you rotate through different departments normally or different 
specialties of surgery. It's still, it's between two departments, the OR and like sterile processing department. They work together as one unit because one feeds the other and vice versa. So as we'll start from the bottom up or from, I, th- I think about from the bottom up because in our hospital, the sterile processing department was actually a floor below. <laughs> so <laughs> you would send things in the elevator. So I think my brain still sees it that way. So in the sterile processing department, you sterilize all surgical equipment. You build what's called case carts. So every surgery Mm -hmm. has a cart that has all the supplies and like the gear that's needed, including like draping stuff, stuff for the table, stuff for the surgeon, for yourself, and all the different instruments that you'll need. So as a surgical tech, you are in charge of getting all of that stuff together, talking with the surgeon or the nurse or whoever you need to talk in whatever department. You pull your cases, you get all that organized, and then you take it to the OR. And if you're on in one of the OR teams, then you take your case into the room and then you assist with surgery, depending on what it is. So I went through... You normally do a rotation through all of them. So you'll be like Mm -hmm. on one team for a few months or maybe a year, and then you go to another team and vice versa. So everyone kind of gets like a balance and gets experience in different specialties. Because usually what happens is after you transition out of the military, a lot of people continue to work as a surgical tech. Most of the time when you work in the civilian world, you usually choose a specialty and you'll stay with that specialty and Mm -hmm. you get like really good with it. But in the military, they want you to be a jack of all trades, right? So you have to have experience in everything. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you can work a duty shift where you're the only person there. So you have to know how to do everything. So it's an important part of the process is to give you a little experience in each specialty. So did things like C-sections, did things like... um, general surgery so like appendectomies like if somebody has appendicitis and we need to remove their appendix did things like OBGYN procedures did things like orthopedics so broken bones sometimes like surgery for shoulder cuff repair we would have to like put anchors in do stuff like that and it was pretty cool because in the military you get to do a lot more than you would in the civilian world. So I was Mm -hmm. able to do everything from like hammering, stitching, cutting, and like, yes, you actually are like hammering things into people sometimes. (laughs) And um, yeah, like hardware removal. Yeah. A little bit of everything. And I worked the night shift for a year. So essentially there's two of us that are on. One person will be in charge of the sterile processing department. And then one person will be upstairs running the OR and there's any emergency procedures, then you're the one who does them all. So I did a lot of C-sections in that period. And a lot of them are like three, four o'clock in the morning. You'll have like a little phone with you after you finish all your duty stuff. There's like a call room. You can like lay there and like hang out and just be on call until you're needed. So Mm -hmm. there was like some mornings, like four o'clock in the morning, like running down the hall, like trying to like... um, open up the case and before we even have like our gear on fully we're already like ripping the mom's stomach open like trying to get the baby out so it was a a high stress job at points which definitely I think led to some health anxiety later on in the future after I was transitioning out of the military but it was a very rewarding and life-changing and eye-opening experience I did things that I would have never done otherwise and it gave me a completely different understanding of the human body and you know when you hold organs or when you hold parts of the body that are no longer connected to the body you know I like got firsthand experience of I am not this body like Mm. this person is not this body I'm holding whatever it is right and it's you know so that's also kind of a cool thing so I'm very grateful for that experience but I definitely don't do any of that anymore and I don't think I would ever go back to that. After I transitioned out, I got offered this job and I did everything I needed to do to start it. And literally two weeks before I was supposed to start, I had this realization where I woke up one day and I was like, all I want to do is yoga. Like there's no way I can pretend. There's no way I can do anything else. Like all, I don't care if I make money. I don't care what happens. All I want to do is yoga. Like I want to practice yoga. I want to learn it. And I want to share it. That's it. Like, that's it. I don't know how it's going to work, but this is it. 
and I turned down the job and started working front desk at a yoga studio and practicing literally every single day, maybe twice a day, you know, trying to be there as much as I could. Wait, so when and then my did whole you life change, yeah. Yeah, when did you actually first start practicing yoga? So I found yoga when I was pretty young, like 12 years old from, but not like asanas. It was mm-hmm. more like pranayama meditation and the philosophy and like Hindu and Buddhist philosophies. It was actually from a band. Uh, Youth of Today was the original hardcore band that I listened to with my friends. And then they started this like Hare Krishna, like bhakti Wild. hardcore punk band called Shelter. And uh they had a big influence on me. They showed me yoga for the first time. And I fell in love at a very young age. I, it just felt like almost like home. Like I could see myself like in the Himalayas. Like, I don't know. It was very weird. And I would draw like ohms everywhere. It was so funny when we got ohms like as part of our 500 hour training to like color ohms. I was like, I would literally do this all the time in high school. Like all my notebooks had little ohms and I would draw like little lotus flowers underneath. And then I would make these like huge ohms and like. I had this like connection or this attraction to it at a young age. I even had little like Ganesha Murti and like uh, I made a meditation closet and like put a tapestry over like my closet door and would teach my friends how to like meditate and stuff. And and then, and I was vegan when I was like 14 years old for compassion reasons. Like it was like, so I felt very drawn to it. And then, and when I was 18 too, I got an ohm tattooed behind my ear. I don't know if it was like an intuition thing, but it was like my reason to get it was to always be tuned to it and to always like listen for it. Right. Mm. And when I joined the military, all the yoga stuff kind of was put in the back burner. Right. I was still considered I was still vegan when I was in the military and I was considered a hippie. Like my friends would make fun of me, which was actually pretty challenging being vegan in the military, especially stationed on base for short periods of time. It was almost impossible. And again, you you definitely get a lot of crap talk to you for being vegan in the military because <laughs> there's a big culture of meat eating, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was put on the back burner for a little bit. And I didn't really come into an asana practice until I transitioned out of the military, which was when I was 27 years old, so six years ago. And it was funny, I was having really bad health anxiety and I was taking this chemistry class and I would literally drive to the class and would have a mini panic attack like in the car and would just be frozen and I wouldn't walk in and I would just sit there and my lab partner uh, was worried about me and she was like, I really think you need yoga. And I was like, I don't think that's what I need right now. Like, cause everything that I was seeing, which was taught as yoga was asana practice and it was very exercise forward you know Mm -hmm. exercise centric a lot of hot yoga studios where I lived and uh, that was kind of my perception of what I thought common day yoga was you Mm -hmm. know so I didn't really have an attraction to it at the moment and uh, I was like you know no I'm gonna join a jujitsu gym so I joined this jujitsu gym and after um, practicing there for about a month they had yoga, free yoga that was a part of the membership. And I was like, and I kept getting these like messages from people. And they were like, you need a, you should try yoga. Like your anxieties, like, I feel like it's going to help. And I was like, okay, fine. Like I'll listen. And I took the yoga class and that was it. Like, as soon as I took that first class, it was like, I came home and I was like, oh, this, okay. And then I like stopped going to the jujitsu gym and um, actually came out here and practiced with one of my best friends. He brought me to like my first yoga class, asana class at a studio, which was a studio here in the city. It was like a hot yoga studio. I have no idea what the name was. It was an incredible experience. I, I don't remember much about it. I remember sweating a whole ton <laughs> <laughs> and finding little moments of bliss in it, you know, and yeah. um, really loving it. And then a couple months later, or no, it wasn't a couple months later. It was like a year later. I came back with the same friend and met Dharma for the first time. Wow. Which was funny. Yeah. That's so interesting. I know. this. Yeah. And I'm excited. I'm going to see that friend this next week when I'm subbing at the Dharma Yoga Center and he's going to come to the class. So it's going to be like a full circle. Yes. He was there the first time I met Dharma and now he'll be there while I'm teaching or leading a class, which is going to be a really cool experience, I think. That's amazing. Yeah. 
That's so interesting. So yeah, when you were talking about that, I was just like, clearly you were a yogi in a past life. It's <laughs> the first thing I was thinking, the fact that you were drawing ohms as a kid before we got the homework assignment just like cracks <laughs> me up. <laughs> you know what's even weirder is I would read, I I love Ram Dass and Baba Neem Karoli and reading stories about Baba Neem Karoli Maharaji and how he has notebooks where he would just write Ram, 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 Ram. Those are my initials. And I would literally have to write Ram on everything growing up. Like all my like sports gears, like all my notebooks, like always, like even like ex-girlfriends would like write Ram with a heart. (laughs) I'm like, whoa, I was kind of doing that too. I was writing Ram all everywhere. (laughs) And now that's like who I feel connected to. You know, I love Hanuman and Sri Rama and like, um, it's so it's so interesting and it was like it was almost like I had I had these little messages from like past lives that were like this is your practice or like this is little reminders for when you get lost or whatever you're in the Maya and you're just in the thick of it Mm. and you need these little messages to kind of bring you back or you know that's really beautiful it yeah your story definitely makes me feel like that it's like little little seeds were just like sprinkled around Mm -hmm without you realizing it. And they brought you to where you are now before you had any idea. Totally, I still have no idea, <laughs> but there's like stuff sprouting and I'm like, oh, yeah. whoa, this is beautiful. This is amazing. <laughs> I love that, I love that. Okay, so I wanna go back a little bit cause you were talking about these kind of like health anxieties and stuff like that. Like, was that, was that related to like when you were in the military or like what was coming up for you through all that? You know, it's kind of interesting. I've done a lot, a lot of reflection on it. And it's something that I still, it's not, I don't struggle with it. It's something that I work with, right? It's a Mm. part of my practice and something that I'm still working with. The way I used to describe it is it was like every day I was forced to watch a two hour long movie where I'm the lead character and I'm dying of some type of horrible disease. And it might not be that I'm watching the movie straight through every day. So I'm not just like zombied out for two hours, like thinking about dying, but just like broken up throughout the day. Like if I'm taking a shower for 15 minutes, there's like, if I have a mole or if I have like a pain, like whatever Mm -hmm. it is, like I, and because of my experience, I think this is where the military comes in is, seeing so much and knowing so much that can go wrong and like there's so many you know little things and my mind will spiral and will think oh I have this this and this and it's because I did this this and this for years or my past or whatever Mm -hmm. so there's like a mix of like weirdly guilt and like anxiety and all these things that come together and through reflection and kind of paying more attention to my surroundings and my family, I also noticed that my grandma also has tons of health anxiety. And mm. it's kind of funny because every time I talk to her, I, I realize that most of our conversations are her telling me about something that's wrong with her <laughs> or like asking me advice on something. And because I was a, a healthcare professional, she like saw me as a doctor essentially and would just like tell me her whole list of medications that she was on, you know, and like she totally is a hypochondriac and Mm -hmm. has like very bad health anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I think I was conditioned to it from a young age. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe it wasn't necessarily expressed because I was always pretty healthy. But when I look back, I definitely had multiple, I had like handful of experiences that were very dramatic, like panic attacks, like these like Mm -hmm. health anxiety, like cries where like I swore to my mom that like there was this like terrible thing wrong with me and like we went and got it checked out and nothing was wrong with me Mm -hmm. so and back then it was just like oh it was kind of a normal thing because like it could have been whatever but now looking back it's like it kind of when I see the bigger picture it makes sense that it kind of was something that was developed and conditioned and the military didn't help it you know it kind of made it a little worse Yeah, I'm curious, like, is it kind of like because you were seeing, to your point, you were saying something along the lines of like, that you could see how many things could go wrong from working as a surgical tech that then you were like, well, if something's wrong with me, then all these things could happen and then I could end up dead. Like, is that kind of... Definitely. Most people aren't getting surgery, uh, they're healthy. Like, most of the time it's because there's something wrong, right? And Mm -hmm. 
so you're kind of conditioning yourself to always looking for the worst or always expecting the worst or, you know, like seeing all the things that can go wrong with your body or with whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I, it worked and, or yeah. it was, you know. So what has helped you kind of, cause you said that it's not, it's something that you've learned to manage, right? Like it's yeah. not that it entirely goes away, but what has kind of helped you learn to manage with that? Honestly, yoga, yeah, yeah, the practice um, in in multiple ways. One is because my body is healthier now, right? And mm -hmm. my nerves are healthier. I feel that that gives me a different type of confidence and a trust in my body to heal and um, mm -hmm. to be okay. And then also the philosophy, which was the biggest part of it, right? And, yeah. you know, I heard something about like, Anxiety is like your worry about the future, right? Mm -hmm. And yoga is always teaching you to be present and mm -hmm. also teaching you that you're more than just your body, right? So yeah. that combination of those two things of instead of worrying like, oh, I'm going to have this or this is going to be the outcome because I might have this right now and whatever suffering that might bring, I'm just present. I'm like, oh, well, am I in a hospital right now? No, I'm you know, I'm fine. I'm okay. And also if that is what happens, then that's okay too, because this is temporary anyway. And I, I have a strong belief in that I'm more than this, this body. So, um, that freed me a lot, mm -hmm. you know, and I'll definitely catch myself getting caught up in certain things. Right. And the moment I do, it's a lot easier for me to step back now and not um, identify so much with whatever feelings I'm feeling in those moments. And there's kind of an appreciation for it now. It's like, oh, how beautiful that I like care so much about this existence, right? And I have this attachment and I should have this attachment because this is a very special situation, a very special experience. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I don't really, and I would also have guilt about it too, where I would feel so bad that I was so worried all the time or like, you know, we're getting caught in that because that you don't want to be someone who has anxiety. You don't want to be someone who feels paralyzed or any of those things. Right. And sometimes you can be hard on yourself. So I don't feel hard on myself anymore either. I kind of, I kind of think it's beautiful in a way, you know, cause it's, I see myself almost as a child and I'm like, Oh, like, yeah, he had, these experiences, these conditions. And of course, he's going to react that way. Of course, I'm going to experience that. So just let it be, you know, and the more I step back, you know, and instead of getting caught up with the identity of the body, and I can go back a little more, not the complete witness, but maybe just a step back. Mm -hmm. It feels a little lighter. Yeah, absolutely. I know I was thinking about the kleshas, like as you were talking about that yeah. and like attachment and aversion and our fear of death and everything. And yeah. I was just like, wow, like it's true as, as we study those things, I feel like they give us the sense of peace. Definitely. That allows us to go like, yeah, you know, everything is temporary and we're just trying to live in this present moment. So I, I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. Right. Knowledge is the way out of suffering. Absolutely. So. Yeah, once you start to get little bits of those awareness or that awareness, it, it definitely frees you in certain ways. Definitely not a Jiva Mukti or free soul or anything like that, but I've found some freedom in my life from some of the things that were making me feel really bound. You know, yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, yeah, so now I, I would love to talk a little bit. So you mentioned how you, so you left the military mm -hmm. and you were starting this job. Was that related to medical at the time? Yeah, it was managing the sterile processing department at a, at a hospital in Laguna Hills and yeah, working in the OR with them. Yeah. And yeah, it was like a, a pretty long process. I even signed their contract and literally like a couple of weeks before I was supposed to start, I, I just woke up and I was like, I can't do it. I can't do this. All I want to do is yoga. I don't care. This That's is this so is what I'm doing. Yeah. 
Yeah, because that you had mentioned that that was kind of the nor- the like I guess normal quote unquote path exactly. that people take, right? Is that they do the surgical tech and then they end up working in this kind of work in the field, yeah, yeah, in the field outside of that. So yeah, so this thought where you're like, I just can't do this. Like, was it you had mentioned like your friend bringing you to the yoga class? So that was what kind of preempted that. Yeah, I had already been practicing for I think it was like three or four months at this point where I was practicing every single day and like didn't miss a day. I think I went like 96 days without missing a yoga class and like, wow. and, and it was also at a hot yoga studio. So I was severely dehydrated. So maybe it was coming from a place of not being able to think clearly. <laughs> uh, maybe I made the wrong choice. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. And I was also in, I was engaged at that point too. And it was, my whole life rearranged. It was, there was these things like I, I wasn't happy in the relationship. And for some time I kept lying to myself and to her about being in the relationship, you know, and after practicing every single day, I couldn't hide from myself anymore. I couldn't hide from that inner voice, that dialogue. And mm-hmm. it was just so clear. I was like, I can't be in this relationship and I can't work at the hospital. Like all I want to do is yoga. <laughs> And that's what ended up happening. So is this the point when you, did you just start teaching or did you start your studio? I was not teaching yet. No, I was only studying and practicing. Okay. Um, And it wasn't until two years after that point that I started the studio. And it kind of just, yeah, fell in my lap. Okay. So can you, because I know that's an interesting story. Can you talk (laughs) a little bit about the journey to starting your studio? Yeah. Um, Deaf for traditional one. Uh, I don't really recommend it. I don't even know how I can recommend it because it's kind of a very weird situation. But to go from the beginning, I was working at another studio and was like halfway through a teacher training, a 300-hour teacher training program with them. And COVID just started. And it felt, it felt that I learned the things that I needed to learn with them and there was just a lot of resistance and a lot of things that didn't feel good anymore. It doesn't feel right to say the things that happened in a public setting because I don't want it to be a negative type of, of course. story or experience, you know. But there was just things that didn't align with my values and how I felt and I needed to separate myself. And it was very clear and I was very emotional and upset about it because it was the studio that I came into the asana practice with. And I did build some dear friendships and relationships at the time. And it definitely served me in so many ways, you know, and Mm -hmm. helped me on so many levels. So I'm extremely grateful for them, for the whole experience, for everything. But sometimes you just get to a point in your life where you have to transition, you have to move. And it was very clear that that's where I was. And I was upset one night and um, literally in tears and said out loud, universe, like, I'm ready for another studio. Please send me another studio that I can teach at. And the next morning, the owner of the studio of the location where I'm at now, I had met her, I think like two weeks before at like a local community event. And we exchanged contact information. And she called me and she's like, Rob, uh, spirit came to me in a meditation last night and told me to bring you to the studio. I want to offer you five classes. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, thank you, God. (laughs) You know, it was crazy, but true. And I accepted and it was a little weird situation because it was COVID. So it was going to be online classes. And she said that she was going to leave town for a little bit and essentially like left me at the studio and had other people that were going to teach at other places but like still do things online and then after teaching a few classes I ended up going to the space and got locked out to give more details about the story I taught in the morning and I had like thousands of dollars worth of my stuff there because I lived like down the street from the place and I had like my computer, camera, microphone, like all this stuff. Stuff that I had just gotten because of COVID too. I was like, this is the trajectory. Like I think we're going to do online stuff. So like, let's figure this out. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, I went home and I got this clear voice that was like, you need to check on your stuff. And I was like, 
I kind of ignored it. And then it got very strong where I felt physically sick. Like I was like nauseous and I was like, you need to go check on your stuff. And I was like, okay. So I went to the studio, went to put my uh, key in the lock. It didn't unlock. And I was like, what, what happened? Like, did someone, is some, someone changed the locks and I walk around the corner and the owner was there like in the process of changing the second set of locks. And I was like, my stuff's in there. Like what's going on? And he's like, listen, like nobody was supposed to be here. Like we don't have a deal anymore, like blah, blah, blah. And I was horrified. Like we both ended up apologizing to each other for a half hour. He's like, I don't know if you're going to hear back. And I was like, I was trespassing. I'm so sorry. Like what if the cops came when I was in the middle of teaching a class? Like this would have been awful. And for some reason had no thought plan or idea of this, but I was like, well, if this space is available, I'm interested. And meanwhile, I was only working the front desk at a yoga studio for two years, so made zero money, was a terrible candidate on paper, but had this like voice or idea or intuition that this was what, what was going to happen or what would the next phase of my life was going to be. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to try and just see what happens. And I was still doing social media for the other studio that I had left. And I didn't hear back for a few days from the property manager. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to get accepted. Like, again, terrible candidate, made zero money, not a studio owner, don't have a following, don't have mm. a foundation to like just start a studio and like be successful or people to trust me to be able to do that. You know, I didn't even trust myself to do it. Like, uh, how could a property manager, like some guy who I'd met one time and talked to for 30 minutes, just apologizing for trespassing. Why would he trust me that I could do this, you know? And then I had this like clear voice again that was like, as soon as you cut the tie to the old studio and that part of your life, like everything will happen. And it was kind of emotional. I was in my backyard. I called the owner and told her I needed to completely walk away. And as soon as I said that, there was just like this moment of like bliss and like I just like tears were just like coming down my face and we got off the phone and I was just like sitting there in meditation, just like smiling, just felt so free and had no idea what I was going to do. Cause that was again, my only place that I had technically worked for, for two years. And like was my whole community, my mm -hmm. everything was kind of based around that, you know, which was already kind of weird because of COVID, but that still like meant so much to me. So I was just sitting there and like after about a half hour of being in the same position, my phone rings and it's the property manager. And she's like, you got approved. And I just start cracking up. Like, and just like, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> like, Thank you. Whoever did this, like, I appreciate it. But now I have to figure out how to start a studio. <laughs> so it's been a lot of just kind of weird, crazy I don't want to say lucky, but like divine, I guess lucky, divine, like intervention, maybe you mm -hmm. can call it, or some type of support or guidance that I don't understand. Um, but I'm very grateful for. So if you hear this, please continue. <laughs> I need all your help. <laughs> Wait, so did you ever hear back from the woman who brought you into I that did. studio? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was kind of awkward. You know, she yeah. wanted to continue to, um, she she wanted me to run a business for her while she was away. And um, the relationship with her and the previous person was done already. And mm -hmm. it didn't feel right. And the studio itself was very different. Yeah. So it was, it was very clear that we needed to go separate ways. Yeah. And she... Yeah just did her thing and then yeah and then I just started the studio and started finding teachers and yeah I find it fascinating where it's just kind of like it's almost like you get this message going like go in this direction and then once you say like I am going in this direction like things just kind of open up and the path clears into that direction mm. which is I find it very interesting actually I always find whatever conversations I'm having through my day somehow is meant to occur because I end up bringing it up in another conversation. At lunch today, I was talking with two Dharma yogis and we were talking about this idea of like having 
like direction, mm. right? That oftentimes people are living in this kind of like, we don't know where we're going and life just kind of takes us wherever it feels like kind mm -hmm. of feeling. And I was talking about how it's interesting, like when you do kind of craft a direction, it feels like the universe then conspires yeah, to yeah. bring those things to you. Totally. And your story definitely speaks to that. Mm. So it feels so, and I, I feel very similarly where it's like, I felt like for much of my life, I felt like I had no idea where I was going. And it was just like, oh, I just go where everyone tells me to go kind mm. of thing. And it was when I started to be more purposeful about the direction I want to go in that I was just like, oh, everything just kind of opens up. Yeah. So I love that about your story. And it's funny because before we were recording this, mm -hmm. we were having this discussion around like, what are we going to talk about? What are, What is going to go into this podcast? And you were hesitant <laughs> about talking about your experience because of that element, I feel like, right? Yeah. Like that ability to say like, well, I, I made this choice. I decided to go this way. And then like things just kind of conspired and happened that way. But I feel like there's so much power behind that. Yeah. And it there's, you know, whatever divine or whatever thing is guiding us, like it is, there is something so... I don't know, magical, but mm -hmm. I think it is really powerful, that ability to say, like, I'm, I want to go, I feel like I need to go in this direction. Mm -hmm. And listening. And listening. Yeah. And you, you even spoke about, like, when you don't listen, it, like, that yeah. one, it made you want to throw up. Literally. Like, that's, like, wild, yeah. right? <laughs> I think that happens to us a lot. I think, I think if we were quieter, you know, we could mm. pick up on some of these messages, but sometimes... It's almost like swimming upriver, right? And we're like trying so hard to... Sometimes we live outside of our purposes, right? Or mm -hmm. we take on other people's purposes for us. Or back to like the whole college thing was like I was thinking that like this was the path. Like I needed to do this a specific way. And then I realized that like it wasn't right for me and I didn't feel authentic because I think I was, again, lis maybe listening to that voice then. But I think a lot of us can get lost in that. And if we just take a moment and really like try to connect with our deeper purpose or whatever that is, then we get the answers, you know, that we need. Absolutely. How do you feel like it's mm -hmm. been really creating this studio? You know, you start as you mentioned, you started really with no following, none of these like things. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to open it and everything will just like already be there. How was it really like building that up and yeah. creating this business? Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> it's, it's been such a crazy experience, uh, such a roller coaster in so many ways. Uh, but one of the most beautiful things that I've ever had the privilege and the honor of being a part of, and I'm kind of still like in disbelief and shock that like it's even a thing you know like mm -hmm. it still feels surreal like I still don't understand why any of it's happening why it's happened the way it does why it happens the way it does why these amazing people have come into my life and like why all these connections you know um continue to foster but I don't want to overthink it and I don't want to resist it and I'm just kind of letting things happen I a lot of times have described myself as just the usher of the studio I think the studio itself has this very beautiful potent energy and there's just mm -hmm. so many amazing people that come to the space that are seeking more and I think when there's a, a group of people that have like open hearts and this like intention of finding these deeper parts of ourselves and and life and God and all that I think it, it fosters an energy with itself. So within those walls, there's this very potent energy and I just go there every day. I open the doors and then everything else just kind of happens around me, right? There's been times because we did start during COVID, like there was months where we had to have our doors closed and where we had to move our classes to um, a lagoon outside and do like outdoor classes. And there was times where I was the only person who was able to be at the studio and it was like super depressing and challenging, but there seemed to always be this like deep intuition or this guide that was 
and sometimes it would manifest in physical ways when I really felt like lost or like needed it. I would cry out loud and then like the next day get some type of weird message that like was like, no, stay, stay on the path. Like this is, this is what needs to be done. And then it's just a matter of showing up and, you know, just trying and everything else is seeming to kind of work, <laughs> work in ways, <laughs> you know? I don't, I definitely don't have a blueprint on how to open a yoga studio. I don't have a business background. I truly have no idea what I'm doing, but <laughs> I show up. I love it. I am extremely grateful for it. And I'm around truly special and amazing people and have some of the best teachers that help me run that place and teach alongside me and and have amazing guest teachers that come too and like Gabrielle and Swami Kashi like will come and lead stuff and I feel very fortunate to have to have met some people and the fact that the studio has attracted all these amazing souls I don't think that it's my doing at all you know I don't think that I had anything to do with that I think that I'm benefiting from it too. And I just <laughs> happened to be in the right place at the right time that day when I like try to go back into the studio for whatever guided me. And it always seems to come from these places where I feel the lowest. And then I get to a place where I'm like either crying aloud or surrendering or saying, that's it. I'm, I'm done. Like, I don't know what to do. Like that one day that I was telling you that I like told the universe that I needed another studio. Like I thought about walking home from California. I was like, I'm walking back to New Jersey. Like <laughs> my car is broken. I don't care. Like, why am I here? Like I left my relationship, the people in my community, like there's this weird energy. Like I don't feel comfortable anymore. What, what's my purpose here? Why am I here? And then a few months later, the studio starts happening. And it's so it's like, whenever I'm like the lowest or when I think I'm like down and, I, I, I surrender. I always kind of get lifted back up and then reminded and guided, I guess. That's beautiful. I love that because, well, A, I, I feel like I strangely feel like that's happened to me a lot too, where it's like, it's almost this feeling that like everything that you've had so far needs to just like go away mm -hmm. all at once <laughs> not in a slight like let's just the let, easy. <laughs> yeah not in the easier way out of it it's like no let's just like burn it all to the ground <laughs> and restart <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's, like, it's time yeah and but there's something i feel like there's something so potent to that experience where it's just like that version of you needs to die too. Mm -hmm. And it then is opening you up yeah. to wherever you're going. Yeah, and sometimes it's the limiting beliefs, right? Or the old stories and the old identities that we hold on to and that become prisons or boxes. And a lot of times things work out way better than you can imagine, right? And it's trusting that that's gonna continue to happen. We literally train our minds to imagine the worst case scenario and it becomes like a muscle, like a reflex. And that's what's something that I love about the Dharma practice too, is you imagine the best, right? Imagine yeah. that you're breathing in the best, that the best is happening at all times. And I really take that to heart and really practice that. And I think practicing that too has changed my perception of of the things that are happening around me. And when, even when something terrible happens, you know, I, I love how Dharma sometimes will talk about how when something bad happens to him, he's excited about it. And it's like, he's like getting through that karma. Right. And yes. he's like, he's like, he thinks he's thankful for it. And I started to adopt that practice. And even some, cause I've went through some really challenging experiences, even within the past few months, the past couple of years. So it's not like my life has necessarily gone easier since all this has happened. It's just my perspective continues to shift and it continues to evolve or grow or change in ways that everything feels a lot lighter. It feels perfect. Right? And even, even the thing, like my last relationship ending, which was like, the one thing that I 
was the most attached to and was the most scared of ending and having to face that ending, there's a, a beauty in that that I really appreciate. And I can see how much growth has already happened just from that, right? So every hard thing that comes in my life now, I'm like, okay, what what can I learn from this? And not only what can I learn from this, I know that in the future, the fruits are going to be better than I can imagine because that's the trend is that every time that I really think that like, that's it, like my life's done. What's the purpose? What's the point of any of this, you know? And then like, just beautiful things happen all around. Um, yes. Dharma is having us build our positivity muscle, mm -hmm. right? And it's, it's so true, that ability to always look for the best, even in what feels like the worst. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. It's like, I don't know. I, it's like the hardest things can happen, but our perspective of those hard things is totally different. Yeah. And it's all about perspective, right? Because hard mm -hmm. things always happen, right? This is duality. Like there, there has to be suffering. That's just inherent in the nature of this existence, right? There's no escape of it. There's no escape of bad things happening. We grow old. Our bodies are going to face disease or death, or decay at some point. Mm -hmm. Every single person you've ever loved is going to leave their shape and form, right? So you're going to have to face hard things always. Like my dog, Rusty, I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to handle his transition, you know? So I know that I have these huge challenges that will come up in my life, right? But our perception is everything. And if you learn how to accept those things and see them for positive experiences or lessons or your curriculum in this life to like work through and to grow from and to experience different forms of love and just learning different understandings of yourself and the world around you, then it's always a positive thing, you know, in some way or shape or form. And it's definitely a part of my practice is to try to keep my perception in that direction. You know? Amazing. All right. I want to keep talking to you <laughs> forever. We can do another one we, in the future. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love that. But is there anything else that you want to share that we have not already talked about? Don't listen to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't do what I did and quit your job and <laughs> just do yoga. No. I think, I think if I can share anything, it's be grateful appreciate everything that you have even if it's hard things even if it's challenging appreciate every moment and and trust that there's a divine order to things or trust that there's a plan that's outside of you, yourself or your little the little self the individual ego trust that there's there's that what's ahead of you like dharma says is amazing Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. All right. Let's get into our final questions. Okay. The first question is, how would you describe your current relationship to yourself? Um, an ever-evolving process. Um, yeah, it's like a series of explorations. I feel like I'm constantly trying to learn more about why I'm the way I am at the same time kind of giving myself freedom and not pushing too much or trying to figure it out too much and a work in progress. It's a work in progress. Absolutely. I love that. What do you consider most valuable to you right now? Hmm. The people around me. Yeah. Yeah. And the time I get to spend with people around me having an amazing teacher like Sri Dharma Mitra and the Dharma family is incredible to like be connected to not only like a yoga lineage but like uh, it truly is like a family right and the people at yoga on state and like the studio family definitely and my dog <laughs> I value all those relationships the most yay rusty <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What is the best lesson that you've learned recently? Hmm. 
it's okay to be alone and non-attachment with like relationships and partners and not having an attachment either to how you think you should react to other people too. So like if you have a failed relationship, instead of thinking that there should be a clear identity of why it failed or what your role or what the other person's role is and to kind of just let people change and evolve and not feel any attachment to the stories that, you know, we tell ourselves and each other of who we think we are and giving people the space to continue to grow, including yourself. Absolutely. I love that. All right. What is the number one skill that you believe everyone should work on? Compassion, for sure. Uh, And not just because I'm a Dharma yogi, but I really think that most people um, could benefit from having more compassion to all beings, right? Um, We pick and choose who we have compassion to. I mean, it's completely natural. you know, people that are like us. And I think challenging yourself to develop compassion for people that aren't like us, for other types of beings. Yeah. And knowing that we all want the same thing. We all want to be happy and love. And and I think the more we develop that, the better this place will be. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. All right. Your last question is... What do you believe is kind of like the purpose of life? The purpose of life? Yeah. There is no purpose. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's happening forever, right? Mm. There is. Why does there have to be? Only the ego needs a purpose. Only the mm. thinking mind needs to define things in those types of ways. I think like any purpose that we come up with is beautiful. And I think that there can be a lot of value for this existence and this experience and because we're, we're still these beings, right, that are walking around, talking to each other, and we have to eat, we have to do certain things. So we can't check out of that. So it's important to still have purpose and to move in certain directions. But I think all of those things, the words, the story, the dialogue, all of it is just a, a human experience, right? And I truly believe that we're not humans you know we're experiencing being humans and from that identification from that belief then the purpose kind of disappears the more you go back so purpose of life i guess i have no idea (laughs) i think um i think it it changes depending on who you are what you need what your conditions are in this round of experience, you know, maybe one life your purpose is to learn all the asanas. Maybe one life it's to be the best vegan. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> I think it can change. I think it would be very controlling or <laughs> egocentric for me to think that I know everyone's purpose of life or the purpose of life, you know. Um, yeah. To each his own. To each his own, whatever feels right to you uh, in this moment and it can change you know absolutely and don't be too attached you know. yeah. play the purpose of life is to play that's what my purpose is ah. to play and to experience i love to that. love play experience and love amazing <laughs> Well, thank you so, so much, Rob, for coming on the show. Thank you. This was such a pleasure. And I, you know, I, I always love going into these being like, I don't know what the conversation is going to be like, but whatever is meant to come through will. And I feel that in particular with this conversation. Hot. So thank you so much. And I would absolutely love to have you on again. Thank you. We'll do that in an I don't know when, and it'll be a t- completely different conversation and a completely different version of ourselves. Yeah. But it was a real honor. So if anyone anyone tuning in wants to contact you, of course, they can go to Yoga on State in Carlsbad. But how else can people co- connect with you? 
I think probably social media are the best channels. So Yoga on State is the studio's page. So if you're ever traveling to Southern California, whether you're looking for Dharma classes or different styles of yoga, because we are multidisciplinary, you can always come practice with us. Uh, we do a 200-hour teacher training, so you can always study with us and get an introduction to yoga. Through that, you can always message me on my personal one, which is Rob Mendez Yoga. I'm more than happy to connect in any type of way, to share any of my experiences or to share any of the practices that I personally practice or have been taught more just to talk, you know. Absolutely. And I will say that I happen to, I don't, for whatever reason, the universe brought me to San Diego in April. Yeah. And I had the pleasure of practicing with in Rob's class on Saturday, your two hour masterclass. And it was such a treat. Thank you. It, it felt like coming home in a different place. You know, normally we're here in New York. Yeah at Dharma Studio, but there was something so special about being in your space and taking class with you. So I highly recommend taking a class with Rob. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you again, Rob. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of A Way of Thinking. I hope it has been a source of inspiration and guidance as you continue to navigate your path towards greater inner peace and purpose. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Your feedback helps us reach more seekers like you. And for those of you who are ready to take a deeper dive into your journey, I invite you to book a discovery session with me, your host, Jessica Huang. It's an opportunity for us to explore how you can bring greater meaning and purpose into your career and life. Simply visit jessicahuangcoaching.com and schedule your session today. Remember, the power to create the life you desire resides within you, and I'm here to support you every step of the way. Until next time, embrace the journey, cultivate your inner peace, and never stop seeking your true purpose.